Art is too important not to share. Welcome to the Allie and Callie Artcast. Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur Arts and Culture Alliance here um. bringing you stuff about art. <laughs> yes, hello everyone out there. Um, how are you, Allie? I'm doing pretty good. How good. about you? What, I, what have you been up to? Well, just recently, Stu and I celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. So uh, we went out to dinner, had a wonderful dinner, and kind of spoiled ourselves. And it was really nice to go out and eat. Awesome. Where'd you go to eat? Uh, Bardenay. Oh, I love Bardenay. And, and just had a delicious meal and a wonderful drink. And then... Mm-hmm. Came home stuffed and went to bed early. Nice, nice. <laughs> That's what happens when you're married for so long. For 23 years, right? That's right. Together, 27, but it feels like 30. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It feels like we got married in 1998. I don't know, something like that. But anyway. And what else have you got going on? Anything else? Well, my husband came up with a brilliant idea this last weekend to go to um, the Downton Abbey exhibit <gasps> at the MAC. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and it was really cool because you, you know Downton Abbey. I'm I sure you love it, love right? I love that show. I watched every season, and I was so sad when it was over. I watched the movie. I, mm. I want to go there someday and go see right? that entire beautiful building, castle whatever it's you know I uh, I was in um, England with my husband and our friends who live in Ireland we were touring around the UK and we actually went to Highclere Castle it was closed oh no so we got to see the little gate Mm -hmm. where you go in and then we spent about two hours driving around the countryside trying to get a glimpse and finally got a glimpse of the very tip of the castle walk <laughs> in the kind of smoky oh, background. Wow. Foggy. I guess it was foggy background. But anyway, it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful there. We did go to the little town of Bampton mm-hmm. where they film all the in-town scenes. Oh. And that's really fun when I go back and watch the episodes and I say, oh, I was, I was standing right there. I, I was there. <laughs> I want to go there. That's what I want to do. Right. Well, well, anyway, this exhibit runs through May 2nd. Oh, great. And they feature 35 original costumes oh my from gosh. that were actually worn by the actors in the show. Oh, I want to go. I, so it goes until when? May 2nd. And then how do you get tickets? Um, I think they're about $15 each or so, okay. and you can sign up online. They're only letting so many people in at a time, so, so get you have tickets to. Yes. right away. Okay, because exactly. I'm sure that'll sell out, because there's a lot of Downton Abbey fans oh, in this yeah, area. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. So, so yeah. But that sounds like fun. I know. And, and then... Um, we also have upcoming... Art Walk. Art Walk. April 9th. April 9th. Friday, April 9th from 5 to 8. That's right. It's always fun. The weather should be... It should be nice. Nice. Let's hope so. Well, you know, I think we've been really lucky so far. We have. It hasn't been bad at all this year. Exactly. So, looking forward to it. Hey, we just want to give a huge shout out to our producer... Kristen Kilmer. That's right. We want to thank her for being the driver to get us going on this, saying, hey, you guys should do a podcast. And we're like, what's a podcast? What's a podcast? (laughs) We're like, okay, sure. But she she had the vision and the gumption to get us out there and actually kind of just 
push us to prod go. us and make it happen. And we're so glad she did. And we just want to give her a, 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 a big applause. Yay. Thank you so much, Kristen, for making it. Not making us. We actually are loving this. We so are loving it. Thank you so much, Kristen, from the bottom of our hearts. We love you. Did you know that right here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we have one of the nation's premier anti-bullying programs for students? Since 2006, Stu Cave and the Ovation Company has been helping students and educators reach their full potential by following this simple philosophy. Work hard, play fair, be kind. For more information on how to make your school a kinder place, visit www.ovationcompany.com. Well, I'm pretty excited because we have Terry Lee. I know. Who, um, I always refer to him as a nationally known artist. Let's. I believe that. I think. I think he is. He's. He's awesome. He's wonderful. And he's also a really nice guy. Yes. So uh, welcome, oh. Terry. We're glad to have you here. Well, thank you very much. This is exciting. A, a brand new thing for Coeur d'Alene. I love it. It is a brand new thing. And it's right. all about art. It I is. love it even more when yeah, it's all about art. That's very right. excited. We are. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I am from Coeur d'Alene. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, I was born just down the street here. The the uh, hospital was uh, was where Emerge used to be. Well, actually, I think the hospital was right behind the Iron Horse at oh, that really? time. Oh. That's where I was Fitting. born. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 1948, oh, mm-hmm. millions of years ago, and, and it feels like just yesterday, the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So I was raised in Coeur d'Alene. My father uh, came to Coeur d'Alene when he was hired to be the first president of North Idaho Junior College. Really? And there, there happened to be 30 students when he came, and it was $7,000 in debt when he was hired. Oh, wow. He was the youngest uh, president, college president, uh, in the country. He was 29 years old, fresh out of uh, Moscow, out of uh, University of Idaho. Wow. And um, so that's how he came to this wonderful little jewel of a place. <laughs> he was raised in southern Idaho, in Rexburg. Mm-hmm. But okay. uh, so he came here as that and uh, proceeded to, to run the college for about six or seven years. During his tenure, um, they were able to he was able to pull it out of debt and also acquire the land where the college now resides. Ooh, and also, wow. during his tenures, he made multiple trips to Boise in order to get an IC an accredited college. So that if you attended college in Coeur d'Alene for two years at North Idaho Junior College, mm-hmm. those credits applied for a university somewhere else at a later time. So that was a big deal. And yeah. acquiring the land was a really big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah, that it's pretty a, exciting. That yeah. is really, what a legacy you yeah. have. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Or he has. Yeah, well, yeah he has. Big, I guess it's yours too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> brought down the history. That's well, awesome. during, uh, during that tenure, the World War II broke out. And so he decided to uh, join the Navy. Uh, He went in as a first lieutenant and um, was on a merchant ship across the across the Pacific Ocean, back and forth, uh, all over the place with that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think Australia many times back and forth to Australia with the merchant ships. Um, so that was kind of fun. When he got back, he got uh, he got right with the programmer. He already had two daughters, so he uh, decided he wanted to try again and see if he couldn't <laughs> come up with a son or two. Yeah. And he did. Um, I have an older brother. Uh, his name is Richard. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest sister is Deanna Goodlander. I heard of her. Deanna's spent 13 or so years with um, the city council, and she she was an activist in the community. My dad was a huge activist. He he wrote letters to the editor all the time, wow. all the time. I mean, he he just couldn't let anything lie. He had to speak out and uh, and work with it. And so mm-hmm. Deanna kind of carried on that tradition for the city, and and, and because of that, we, the city I think is very fortunate to have had her. <clears throat> in, oh, I agree. In mm-hmm. uh, in the sessions. So um, then I have a, another sister um, that lives in southern Idaho mm-hmm. at the current time. And <clears throat> so I uh, I was married and I owned a sporting goods store with my brother and Deanna for a, a number of years. And then I, I got uh, married in <clears throat> 1976, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, my father passed away, and so we took over the business, and uh, the three of us, and we did that. I was a scuba instructor. It was a. It was called Lee's Outdoor Outfitter. Uh, it had everything. Mm-hmm. You know. I remember Lee's Outdoor Outfitter. Yeah. yeah, scuba, skiing, camping, guns, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did that for 18 years, and then I I went through a divorce. I had three kids, three sons. Went through a divorce, and I decided to. Uh, moved to the sunshine and so I, I moved down to San Diego and uh, and I worked there for a while with some friends. Um, it was a very difficult time for me though. It was like what do you want to be when you grow up kind of a thing and I really struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, having your own business, being in control, running something and then all of a sudden you have to go work for the man mm-hmm. <clears throat> was a very new experience for me. It was very difficult. Um, I, I remember sitting on the beach watching the sunset and said, I am a worthless human being. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, it was, I was yeah. rock bottom. Wow. I'm telling you what, that was a very devastating time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did love the sunshine and the palm trees. I remember if I saw a palm tree, I felt like I was on vacation mm-hmm. and the sunshine and shadows. I remember driving by a dumpster that had all this junk hanging out of it and it created shadows on the side of that dumpster. And I was very intrigued with that. Mm-hmm. I guess that art that was instilled in me mm-hmm. kind of came forward, you know, when mm-hmm. you get excited about shadows on a dumpster, you know, it's just pretty that crazy. That like a book title, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a good idea. There you go. Keep it, Terry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at some point, uh, like I said, I, I kind of hit rock bottom. Wasn't doing well. I was in the mortgage business. I got a real estate license. I really sucked at that because uh, <laughs> the house I had in Coeur d'Alene that I bought was $50,000 and down there that uh, house worse than the house I had in California was over 450 Oh, of course. And I couldn't believe those prices. I remember a client asking me, well, if you had the, the choices, which one of these would you buy? And I remember I told him, I wouldn't buy any of these. <laughs> these are terrible. You know? Right, right. And so I wasn't a very good real estate agent. You know? <laughs> See, you were meant to be an 
artist. Oh, right? I think so. And and while I was down there, I actually did pursue it a little bit. I uh, I was so uh, you know, like I said, rock bottom, and I rented the rooms at different parts of San Diego: Escondido, downtown, Cardiff, Encinitas, um, uh, yeah, all over the place. But anyway. Um, I remember I'd set my easel up in my room and sit on the end of my bed because uh, there wasn't very much room in her, you know. So right. and I painted and I tried and I struggled, but I loved it. You pick up the brush and you look at a canvas and and it was just very very uh, exciting for me. So I started to try to do a few art shows down there. Um, I paid forty bucks and you set up downtown by the marina uh, for a weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had a few few uh, paintings that I could felt like I thought they were okay. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you're at an art show and people come along and they look at your paintings, uh, you know the kiss of death word <laughs> is. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know that you're you got a long ways to go when they say that. You know, so anyway, I struggled with that. I did uh, La Jolla Art Festival, and the year that I did the La Jolla Art Festival, a big windstorm came up the night before they opened and blew down tents and devastated the show. Mm. Windstorm and rain, but uh, it was fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I really thought it was fun to be with other artists and to be talking art and to be uh, you know in that kind of environment with mm-hmm. people. Right. I did a couple art shows over in uh, Tempe, Arizona, and so on. But then I realized, you know, this is really something that I want to pursue. It's not, it's not an interest. It's a passion. So I decided to move back to Coeur d'Alene and get with it. And uh, <clears throat> I moved back, and uh, my sister Deanna, her son, Phil Goodlander, um, was living uh, in Coeur d'Alene in that point. So I moved in with him, and then Deanna had a space at the building where we used to have our sporting goods store. And I, uh, I set up in there and started to go in and paint every day and every night. Um, I, I was, remember uh, seeing that um, in your name, yeah. where Lee's was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's where the... Uh, Cracker Barrel is right now. It's right. where the building was. Yeah. Oh. So that uh, that was the beginning. That was uh, how I wanted to start. And I knew when I moved back that I needed to get better quickly because I was going to make this my career. Mm-hmm. And my goal at that time was to make $25,000 a year. And so that was, uh, I sort of broke it down. How many paintings Do would I, I have to paint to make $25,000? Mm-hmm. Know? <laughs> right. How much would I have to charge? How many mm-hmm. do I need? Uh, what would be the subject matter? You know, all of these things mm-hmm. entered into it. So that was uh, the first thought. And the second thought was, I got to get better really quick. Mm-hmm. And so I went over to Spokane and I, I took a couple of lessons. Um, uh, well, they, they provided a model, a live model. And I took a couple of lessons, but it was only two hours long and you had to do what the instructor said. And I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And so I hired my own model. I had enough space. And that got to be a little too costly. So I ran into a friend downtown at an art show. And uh, his name was Eric, I believe. (laughs) My memory. (laughs) And um, I asked him if he'd like to participate and uh, and share the cost of the model. He said, yeah, sure. And he says, I have a friend, too, that might be interested. And I said, well, bring him along. Let's let's, (laughs) let's do this. So... Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a call from uh, this individual, and he says, Hi, my name is George, and he said, I, I hear you're going to start a, 
a session, and I said, yeah, well, I'd love to have you. And he said, well, can I stop by and see your space? And so he did, and he looked it over. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. He, he looked a lot like me, actually. You know, he had the balding head, and I had a full beard at that time, and uh, he, he wore the blue jeans and tennis shoes, you know, my, <laughs> right. my, my uniform. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, he came to the session that first night and I remember looking over at his drawing while he was drawing and I I looked and I said oh, this guy's pretty good mm-hmm. and so at a break I asked Eric I said this guy's pretty good and he said well yeah uh, don't you know who he is and I said well yeah it's George and he says yeah but don't you know who he is and I said well yeah it's George Carlson and he says you don't know who he is, do you? <laughs> I said, okay, I don't know who no, he is. So who is he? And he said he's one of the foremost sculptors on the planet, and he lives right here. He lives in Harrison, actually. Um, he's in 30 museums. He's collected by the, the wealthiest people in the country. His, uh, his work is highly respected by mm-hmm. other artists and other collectors. And here he is, sitting next to me, drawing the model. So George and I became very close, and uh, he told me <clears throat> after he, sh- he showed up about three times, he said, Terry, you know, if, if you sculpt, you'll draw better. Oh, yeah. So I said, okay, George, teach me to sculpt. <laughs> now wow. here I am, you know, this guy's like, you know, and he's going to teach me, and he's, yeah, sure, um, you know, get a model, come on down to my studio, I'll show you. So I went down there with a model. He showed me how to measure the model, how to build an armature, all about the clay. Uh, At that time, we were using wax. He was using wax, so I used wax. Uh, He showed me the tools, and we proceeded to sculpt with the model. And so it was uh, was a a learning curve, of course, Mm -hmm. um, but it was exciting. It was, uh, I have never actually liked sculpture because most of the sculpture I've ever seen was was always real smooth. You know, mm-hmm. it looked, looked very plastic. Right. It looked, you know, I, I didn't like sculpture because of that. But when I saw George's work, it was very different. It was kind of organic, I want to say. It mm-hmm. looked more like uh, actual uh, rock, I guess, carved out mm-hmm. of rock kind of thing. It was just, uh, it was just more exciting because yeah. it, and it didn't have a, the tremendous amount of detail that you see in in the sculpture today. That's all finely polished and so right. on. Right. And uh, and I liked that because um, to me, art is uh, uh, that part of art uh, has more of an emotion mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it looks like that. And so I was really excited to uh, participate in that. So I continued with a weekly session on a Monday night for drawing with a live model. And then I started a sculpture session on Tuesday night with a model. And George came to that. And uh, I invited other people to come. And some of the very fortunate people were able to come and sit at the feet of George Carlson. (laughs) Wow. And watch him sculpt. Now, he didn't necessarily teach because he was there to work. He wanted Mm -hmm. to, uh, a lot of the sculptures that you see today that he's done were done in my studio. Is that right? Oh, wow. And with my models and so Mm. forth. And and so uh, I was able to watch him draw learn how he did that. Uh, I, I would look at his drawing, I'd look at the model, I'd look at his drawing, look at the model, and I would see what he saw. Mm-hmm. And Because to me, art is learning to see. Mm-hmm. And the process of learning to see uh, can take many 
uh, avenues of, of research and, and interest. And so by watching George do that, I, was, I learned a lot I from bet. that. Uh, but he would, at the time, he would go around and he'd, during a break, and he'd give some hints and so forth to other people. But uh, to watch him do what he did and how he did it was a phenomenal thing. He came to my studio for nine years, mm -hmm. wow. one, once a week for nine years. Wow. So it was exciting. We've been very close friends, and we still uh, get together, just the two of us, and, and uh, do some drawings and, and so forth. But anyway, he's, oh, he's, so been, he's been the mentor. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm embarrassed at what I do because I, I I feel like I just haven't even begun to get even close to what he taught me. Mm -hmm. uh, but but it's I'm trying. But yeah. you're still working yeah. at it. That's I'm working right. at it. I think you're doing great. Yeah. I love Every day. Add a little flair to your special events with Scraps Barbecue, a great catering choice for your next gathering. Specializing in golf tournaments, sporting events, and more, their commercial kitchen can be on-site, or you can choose to have a fully catered meal delivered right to you. Known for their authentic Santa Maria-style tri-tip and tequila lime fish tacos, they can customize the menu to meet your needs for groups of 20 to 2,500. Contact Kevin at kevin at scrapsbarbecue.com or check them out on what do you enjoy more? Is there a favorite? Do you love painting or sculpting, or is it just depend on the day? Yeah, kind of a little bit of both. But mm -hmm. I, I, uh, uh, George, George Carlson's wife, uh, her name is Pam, and she mentioned to somebody that Terry's a sculptor that thinks he's a painter. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, my paintings uh, in the beginning and, and probably even now are less than uh, what I want them to be. And uh, uh, they just, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I always tell people I just step in front of the train. I just went for it mm -hmm. and, um, and, and developed the skill as I went along. It's all about practice and okay. learning, to, learning to see and, and developing and looking at other artists and taking a workshop here and there and, and trying to do all those fun, exciting things that art involves, mm -hmm. you know, the camaraderie of being with other artists and learn from I them. I think it's really important. Yeah, I just spent two weeks in Arizona with some of the, some uh, very famous landscape painters. Mm -hmm. uh, we plain air painted in the desert in Scottsdale and then we went up to the Vermilion Cliffs. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh my gosh, I, I was blown away. It's about an hour south of Page, Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, which is by Lake Powell. Oh, okay. And there, it's 25 miles of, of these gorgeous cliffs like Zion National Park, all that mm. red and everything else. Wow. Stunning. And so a painter's on. heaven. Yeah. I left just in time when the snow hit here. I was in Arizona. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good planning. I missed, may have missed the whole thing <laughs> until today. I know. Yeah, now, right? Now, now it's starting to come down, but it's not sticking anyway. Yeah. No. So, anyway, um, that's the beginning. And you're still doing those classes. Yeah. Uh, well, I know Cheryl Metcalf does. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't she lead the sculpting? She does now. now yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I did it for 25 years, and I kind of got burned out a little bit of, of the uh, teaching part of it. So Cheryl was a student of mine that uh, studied with me for about eight years. And then she went on to take some classes from some a really big name sculptor in, uh, in Las Vegas. And oh, wow. Different people. 
person that studied with Richard McDonald. If you ever look up sculptor Richard McDonald, okay. you'll, you'll see. Uh, actually, Richard McDonald's work in Las Vegas, he studies with, uh, or he, he uses the models from Cirque du Soleil. Mm. So he, uh, he's pretty, uh, she learned from some really great, great people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fascinating to watch her sculpt. She's really fast. She just really gets in there and just goes crazy. Yeah, really I've seen fast. her in action. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, she did one of you, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, she did one, and I told her it looked like me, and so she named it after Oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's called Carefree Alley. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I turned it over to Cheryl, and so we still run it in my studio in Hayden right now, and it's... Uh, Anybody can attend if they're interested to, to work with a live model. Uh, mm-hmm. They can draw. Uh, the drawing session on Monday night is uh, a life drawing with a nude model. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, it's a portrait painting session. So you can work with a live model and do a portrait for three hours. Uh, I was a model once. Uh, pardon? I was a model once. Oh, that's remember? right. You were. I did it. Yeah. I got paid $60, and I used it for a massage to work the kink out of my neck. <laughs> Yeah, people don't realize how hard it is to just sit? to sit still. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's, I don't know if I can do it. It's crazy. Oh, it was yeah. fun, though. It was yeah. a good experience. Uh, you asked me, do I like painting or sculpting? Um, I do enjoy the painting probably more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sculpting is a, a very labor-intensive situation. After you're, after I'm done with the piece, it goes through a process that could take three months. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so when I supply a gallery <clears throat> with, with my sculptures, it's a fifteen dollars to $25,000 investment. Mm-hmm. And then when they sell one, I have to turn around and order another one, and it takes three three months to get right. a, to get yeah. another one made. So when they sell a painting, I can turn around and in a couple of weeks I have a painting there's, for them. There's another right. one. Yeah, so it's a little easier. It's a little closer to instant gratification. Yeah, <laughs> but it is it's really just as fun when you uh, when you pick up the brush and you look at a blank canvas, you immediately go into a problem problem solving mode. Mm-hmm. What color, what shape, what value, and uh, placement, design, composition, all that stuff enters into it. So your, your mind just goes through this constant problem-solving process. And uh, I, can, I can paint six to eight hours uh, a day and uh, be just totally wiped out yeah. after that. Oh, absolutely. And so when I sculpt, <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's easier but it is different. I, uh, I have to focus on the painting a lot more than I do on a sculpture. I can actually have conversations with people when I sculpt. I can uh, play oh, wow. a, a different kind of music and interact with people because it's, it's, it's very hands-on and it's just different. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to worry about the color. You don't right. have to worry about that's the size true. of the brush. You don't have to any of that. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so that's... The painting is more intense. Is that what you're saying? That I, you have to focus more. Yeah, I hate to say it that way, um, but uh, for me, it for is. You, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. for me, it is. Uh, it's kind of a um, a more intense problem-solving process, mm-hmm. and a very and it and it goes through some really ugly stages to to get to the end result. And so does so does sculpture. You, I, I want to hurry through the sculpture to get past the ugly part mm-hmm. until right. it starts to take shape. Uh-huh. Right, and uh, that. Yeah, that means uh, you know a little concentration there too. But I just sure. love the colors in your paintings, though. Uh, right. You're, yeah. to, to me, that's for me. I, I think of myself as a colorist because yeah. I love just yeah. rich, vibrant, deep colors. Yeah. And and you're well. First of all, if you've been to his studio, you've seen his paintings and his mm-hmm. sculptures. The the paintings that 
you have the giant bears and the grizzly mm-hmm. bears and the elephants and the it just everything is so beautiful mm-hmm. and I just get all like oh god I love it right. it's so pretty and just well done so I agree well, thank you. and during the studio tour um, you can I have, I have always enjoyed going in and watching watching Terry watching, Kane yes. in action mm-hmm. and I think people love to go yeah. on the studio tour for yeah. that reason to yeah. be able to see that happening yes. yeah I think so it's kind of fun I, I'm I really love to have the studio tour in in the fact that people can come and see a real studio. Right. You know, they're not walking into a gallery and wondering about how this is done. They can come in there and they can see the paint, they can see the palette, they can mm-hmm. see the the canvas in you know in action and I think that's really exciting for people. I think so too. Yeah, to visit yeah. the studio. I mm-hmm. think that's why the studio tour has been so effective and fun for people. Yes, Which, that'll agree. be in August. August, this August twenty eighth and 29th. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay. we're yeah, excited absolutely. to have that back again. Yeah. Yes, that'll be great. For the seventh, we've had a. I don't. I lost track. Years. I think it's the ninth. Okay. See. Ninth studio tour. Yeah. But well, I want to go back to um, your sculptures. Um, You've had a lot of sculptures commissioned. Um, Most recently, the uh, suffragist Mm -hmm. sculpture. Yeah. And I am absolutely fascinated with the whole foundry Mm -hmm. um, process. And Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk a little bit about just. Because I think other people are too. It's like, you know, you see one day you see a, a clay maquette, and then the next you see this huge bronze. Well, how does it get from one to the other? Right. I've had some interesting comments. People say, well, do you pour the metal over the top of the clay? <laughs> and how does that work? Right. And, uh, and all of that. So it is it's a fascinating process. It, um, we'll take any, any one of these life-size sculptures that I've done, and the first thing that I do is I, I hire a model. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, put them in the pose that I want them to be in. Whether it's a lumberjack, I wanted to get a a, a, a whip, which is, to me is a crosscut saw, an original antique crosscut saw, mm-hmm. and an axe. And I wanted his foot and his lumberjack boots up on the log, and you know his old hat and suspenders, and you know try to make that whole thing. Uh, and then I I photograph them in mm-hmm. that position. And mm-hmm. then I take detailed measurements, which, of course, is what George Carlson taught me to do. Right. Take those measurements from a life-size model. <clears throat> from those measurements uh, in our class, we scale it down proportionately right. to maybe 35% of original, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But with these uh, models uh, for these life-size sculptures, it's one-to-one. Right. It's the same measurement that they are. Right. And that actually makes it a little bit easier. Um so well, you don't have to do the math. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right, it's stuck. Yeah, that's right. And then I go through um, the process of building the armature, just like I do on a small piece. Uh, of course, is also what George taught in the beginning. And uh, <clears throat> after I've got the, uh, uh, I get rebar, and I, I, uh, well, the first thing I do is I take a, a piece of cardboard, um, uh, four by eight sheet of cardboard. And, uh, and I lay it on the, my table in the back room, and I draw a silhouette, a side profile of the model. Mm. And uh, then I cut that out. So now I've got this life-size stand-up cardboard cutout of the of a side profile. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then I, I go down to a Home Depot or Lowe's, and I get this two-inch foam that's, uh, that's uh, uh, four feet wide, eight feet long, lay it on the table, put this... Uh, put this uh, template on top of that trace Mm -hmm. it and then remove it and then i take a jigsaw and i cut it out 
So I make about six pieces mm -hmm. of a side profile of the guy, or mm -hmm. the female or the guy, whoever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then I, I, I move then into the studio where the, uh, where the uh, skeletal form out of rebar is, and then I push that onto and, and glue it together over that structure. After that's done, then I take a sawzall, one of my favorite tools. I know, I yeah. know the sawzall. You know the sawzall. Yeah. That's a great tool. The blade is about 12 inches long, mm -hmm. and, and you can bend it and carve with it while you're doing it, you know. And so I, I just carve it out of that foam until I get it to the detail that I want. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, of course, then the clay goes on top of that, and I, then I really get crazy with the detail you know, like belt loops and the belt and the eyes and the nose and the mouth and all that stuff you don't do that in the foam mm -hmm. and I get all of that done it takes me about two months two to three months um, but it's kind of mostly it takes that long because I have paintings uh, that the galleries want and I have to keep up with that I, oh sure I'm working with six galleries right now and uh, if they keep selling, I have to keep painting. And so, yeah. in fact, I'm working on the uh, the, la the sculpture I'm doing right now is the miner that will be down there. And the miner has a pick over his shoulder and a shovel in his hand. And uh, I'm going to have a real ore car, the real antique oh, ore cool. car. And that will stand behind him. It's going to look really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. But this is taking, I started that in, <clears throat> in July, and now it's, what is it now, March? March, yeah, yeah right. And uh, so there have been months and uh, that I haven't been able to do anything. And in mm -hmm. fact, then I, I took off and went painting down in Arizona for right. a month. So it, it's, uh, I've got to get back on that. Uh, but I also have some commissions that I'm working with uh, on paintings, and uh, and so I have to get uh, get those done. So I'm trying to sculpt in the morning and paint in the evening. Mm -hmm. You know, put in about five hours on the sculpture, four or five hours, and mm -hmm. I'm almost there. I'm really close. So all of the muscles in the abdomen. This guy's really ripped. I mean, all right. I, we got some <laughs> muscles. Yeah, yeah. I actually had to look in the mirror to get that. <laughs> Yeah, when you see that, you're going to laugh. Oh. Gonna, oh, man. Looking to sell or seeking that dream home? Nancy White of Coeur d'Alene Portfolio Real Estate is not your average real estate agent. Known as the real estate queen, Nancy has consistently garnered awards and accolades in sales production, education, and leadership while continuing to volunteer locally. And she is an avid supporter of our local arts community. Coeur Portfolio Real Estate promises local real estate expertise, plus concierge-level service. Call Nancy today at 208-818-1126. I'm just into the detail part right now, and I'm working my way down to the boots and then the base and all of that. So hopefully I'll get that done. Um, then... Uh, when I'm done with it, I take it to the foundry. Uh, for a while there, we had a very talented uh, young sculptor that lives here. Um, and I'm trying to think of her name. Oh, <laughs> oh my no. gosh. Oh, no. It happens. Oh, and I know Sarah? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, Sarah Thompson-Moore. <laughs> Thompson yes. yes. Sarah Thompson-Moore. Yes. You should have her on here. She's fabulous. Yes, she is. Um, 
she used to go down to Georgia's studio with her work, and he'd critique her work for her. Oh, nice. And she came to my studio for uh, the weekly sessions mm -hmm. as well. Sarah's really talented. Well, she learned how to do the molds, oh. and uh, I loved it because what happens in the mold process is you have to cut everything up. You have to cut the head off, make right. a separate mold of the head. You have to cut the, um, like, for example, with this pick, with the miner, he's holding it with both hands. I have to cut off his wrists on both of them so his hands are still attached to the pick. Oh, okay. Right. And, and then they make the mold of mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. with the hands, you know. And then they cut him off at the shoulder so the arms are in pieces, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, any anything extra that's kind of mo movement that's out away from the body. And then the body itself, Sarah would take... Um, uh, envision a roll of tin that's four inches th uh, tall yeah. and unroll it and she makes a dam um, in sections on the piece so she's making a wall right. mm -hmm. on the torso and then she sprayed in the silicone rubber uh, and this is the same way they do it in the, in the foundry uh, uh -huh. But fortunately, Sarah was here. But she did, uh, I think she did two pieces for me. Mm -hmm. And so then she sprays in this silicone rubber, which is very elastic and rubbery. Mm -hmm. And then she sprays uh, uh, either fiberglass as a mother mold to hold the rubber in place or plaster. So both of those things. There's a new material, too, that the, the foundry and Kalispell that I use is, is using a different material now that's really lightweight and I love it. Plaster's super heavy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you make the mother mold over the top of those pieces and then you pull that off of my artwork. And uh, then they give me back my artwork in pieces and, and I th cut it up, throw it away. And uh, uh, sometimes I recycled it once and that was a mess. That was not, <laughs> oh, not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, good idea. I mean, good thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to save some money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe no. not. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea. Uh, it's kind of interesting. The molds are, uh, I did a, a giant moose uh, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 10 feet high, 13 feet long, wow. 140 molds Ugh. that went into that. Wow. And I uh, I got, you know, I've been in the paper all the time for different this, that, and the other, and and I finally decided uh, I was storing these molds because there were so many of them, and I was paying 60 bucks a month for them, but I decided to get rid of them because I, I sold one moose, he was 140,000 bucks, and and I, it was a really hard deal to sell it, mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to get rid of this moose, you know. And so I go loaded it up on my trailer, and I took it to the dump, and I unloaded it. <laughs> the next day in the paper, there was there was something in there about the garbage, and and they had that big uh, the big front end loader, and the front end loader had all my molds in it. Oh. So I'm in the paper even when I'm not in the paper, you know? <laughs> I thought it was pretty hilarious. <clears throat> yeah, so anyway, then uh, they, they take those molds at the foundry and they pour wax into them. Like, so if you have this, uh, this piece of a mold that's uh, uh, 18 inches by 24 inches and, it, and it's the shape of the torso, the body wraps mm -hmm. around the body, they pour wax into it, really hot wax. 
and they keep pouring it in there until they get a thickness of about a quarter of an inch. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then, like an arm, um, they make a, t- a, a tubular. Uh, it's hollow in the inside, and they pour the wax into that and slosh it around and dump it out. And then they pour right. more in and dump it out mm-hmm. until they get the, the quarter inch that they want. Mm-hmm. But it's hollow inside at, right. eventually. So then you pull that out of the mold, and it goes into the dipping, or it goes into the... Uh, uh, this gotta say this right the sprewing room okay yeah sprewing room yes that's where they sprew it sprewing. okay okay all right so this lady you know it's kind of like a model airplane you know that where you have a you pull off the pieces of a, and it's got you know where they it has irregularities that you cut off. Uh-huh. Okay, that's what she does is that the mold, oh, okay. the mold has it. some irregular things, mm-hmm. and, and she Spill trims it. it up and gets rid of some of that stuff to get it down to what it should be. And then in that process, she also has to connect it to a bell. And this is, envision again, a model airplane that has a, a Christmas tree, basically. Mm-hmm. It has a stem in the middle, and it has these little wings coming out, and the pieces of them uh, are on the outside, the artwork. She does the same thing with each one of these molds. She, and the bell is uh, solid wax, and the stem is, is one inch solid wax. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a Christmas tree of your artwork, mm-hmm. each piece. Each one of these molds. Uh, so uh, I'm envisioning <clears throat> that this tree, if you're if you're comparing it to a Christmas tree, that your artwork are the ornaments on the end. On the like, end. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Exactly. There's a stem up the middle, mm-hmm. and then there's the little wings, and then on the end of the wing is the artwork. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on these big pieces, um, the the stems go. All of them go into one piece, one big piece. Okay. Yeah. Know. Okay. And the pieces, the reason they have to have so many molds is because they have a dipping vat. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. A vat. vat. Yeah, V-A-T. And the vat has to be, uh, the, the artwork has to be small enough to go into the vat. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they can't mold a really big piece. They, they have to have all these multiple smaller pieces in order to dip it. Mm-hmm. So then they, they dip it into this slimy stuff called a slurry. <clears throat> And then they pull it out of the slurry and they go to a sand pile. And it's a very fine grit sand and they, they start throwing it on. They just scoop it up with their hand and it sticks to the slurry. Mm-hmm. And then they let it dry and it has to be at a certain temperature. Mm-hmm. And after that's done, it goes back to the slurry again. They dip it and then they go to a heavier grit sand. And it's kind of a glass sand, kind of a ceramic-y kind of hard you know mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're building up a shell around the artwork so it goes through about four different dippings to get a heavy end, the end results a heavy coat mm-hmm. wow. and then they take that and and that process can take two three weeks to sure. for the dipping and the, the all that uh, time to let it heat you know the set up uh-huh. <clears throat> then it goes into the fire room and they put it in a in a kiln basically at 5,000 degrees and they melt the wax out and and, it, and, and your artwork's standing on that bell and so the all of the wax drips down the to the bell and out mm-hmm. onto the ground and uh, the, so now what you have is a hollow vacuum um, that allows uh, an area that you can put the metal right. so then they take that 
and they turn it upside down so the bell is up. Mm-hmm. Then they go over and they get a crucible that uh, is full of hot molten bronze, and I mean hot. And this is like yeah. you see on TV when they have those giant, you know, these things at factories that pour that hot metal, you know, mm-hmm. burning red hot. You know. mm-hmm. So they, it takes two of them and they lift it up and then they go over to the artwork and the, the both of them then they tip it together at the same time and pour that metal down into the bell. The bell goes down through the raceways and into the artwork. Mm-hmm. Then they let that dry and uh, until it's dry, uh, well, set up, whatever, cool down. Mm-hmm. And then they take it over to uh, the floor and they throw it on a floor and they start breaking the shell off. Oh, they take wow. pneumatic uh, tools, they take hammers, and they just start chipping away. Mm-hmm. So now you've got your artwork, and you and the, the bell is also bronze because they filled it up. So sure. now you got to you chip away every bit of the shell, and then you have to cut off those stems mm-hmm. from the artwork. And so then it goes to the welding guy, and or guys, several, mm-hmm. and they have to put it all together. And they've got 24 pieces there that they have to sort out and figure out where goes what. Oh and they weld it together. And, um, and then I go over there and I see the piece and I, I, I can see the welds. You mm-hmm. can see all the welds and everything. Mm-hmm. And so then they sandblast it and, and you won't see the welds after they do that. Right. And so then I look at the piece and, and, and scrutinize it to see if I can see the welds. Mm-hmm. Because they have to make my artwork, my texture, go across that weld. You see? So, yeah. so they're artists themselves over there. Sure. That's, it sounds like Yeah. It. They have to match what I did. Mm-hmm. And so then I look at it and see if they did a good job there. And then sometimes you get some pitting from mm-hmm. when it comes out of the mold or something. Mm-hmm. And so I say, oh, I take a felt pen and I circle it. And so the welder has to go back in there and he's got to fix the pits and fix this and fix that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes there's some amazing problems um, that happen in the, in the process. So then I, I show them and they say, oh, yeah, I can fix that. <laughs> so, okay, go for it. <laughs> so then when they're all done, <clears throat> it goes into the uh, patina room. Mm-hmm. And patina is where the color is applied. Right. And the patineur is a very talented person, uh, artist in his own right. He, uh, to be able to do this color is an amazing yeah. um, deal. And, and what's really difficult about it is when they heat it up with a, with a hot blowtorch and... Um, and then they spray the chemicals on it, and the chemicals etch into the metal. Mm-hmm. And um, the, unfortunately, it's really hard to see the color until it's waxed. And so the patina guy has to know the end result. And the only way I can tell what the end result is is if they spray some water on it, and I get an instant look at the color. Mm-hmm. And then I say, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of, yeah, make that a little darker. Make that a little lighter. Do that, you know. Right. And, uh, and the patina process is a long time. When they do the big ones, it takes them uh, about a day and a half sometimes to, to do the whole process. They have to do several coats, and then mm-hmm. they have to, after they put one coat on, then they take a, a big, uh, like a green pad that you use in the home, and they scour it down and brush it back, and, mm-hmm. and they get the highlights that way, and then they spray the, a different color on it, or the, you know, whatever. So it's it's quite the... Quite the process. Right. Um, wow. wow. And then it's 
Yeah, patina. It's done. Mm -hmm. And then it's done. Yeah. And then it's brought back here, and it's in McEwen yeah. Park. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, people don't understand why bronzes are so expensive. Yeah. But you hear that whole process, and you, you get it. Yeah. It's an expensive process. Yeah, it really is. It's very time-consuming. That's why I like to paint. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you also did uh, the Mudgy and Millie oh, um, yes. sculptures. They're so that cute was and... so fun. I'm going to be famous for the Mudgy sculpture of a, <laughs> of a cartoon <laughs> moose. <laughs> it is so fun to see people around town, the, oh, they, the kids mm -hmm. on top of them. And yeah, How many are there? There's five. five Sus Susan Nip came to me <clears throat> um, uh, over 10 years ago, um, and she says, I want to write a book about a moose and a mouse that play hide-and-seek in Coeur d'Alene. And, uh, and at that time, she was talking about maybe along the river. And uh, she didn't know where they were going to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then she has a phenomenal illustrator, uh, Chuck uh, Reisner. And, mm -hmm. and at that time, he lived in Taos. Now he's in Phoenix. But Chuck is a, is a phenomenal cartoon uh, and he has many styles, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Mudgy Millie style is kind of unique. It's not, he doesn't do that style with a lot of other books that he illustrates. But uh, Susan knew Chuck from way back, uh, mm -hmm. working with her books. Uh, her books were the We Sing, the W. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my kids would listen to that. Right, yeah. yeah. And Chuck did a lot of the illustrations for for years. <clears throat> so um, I said, okay, let's, uh, I need to build a maquette. Um and uh, so Chuck sent me some drawings of Mudgy mm -hmm. and also of Millie. He gave me three different drawings of Mi Millie because that's what there is. There's one with her finger given the shush sign. Right. There's another with where she's asleep in the park on, on top of Mudgy. And then mm -hmm. the last uh, Millie is uh, on his nose at mm -hmm. the very end of the book. So I had three drawings of that, and then I had the moose, and I told him, give me a back view and give me a, a side view. And mm -hmm. uh, so I made a uh, probably a 16-inch maquette of Mudgy and put a little moose on that. And then we went to the city council and uh, or the arts commission and said, this is what it's going to look like. Right. Well, you know, what mm -hmm. do you think? <laughs> and we also needed to generate the money for it because we, we didn't want to use the, uh, the, the money from the arts council or the commissioner of the city. Mm -hmm. And so with the maquette, uh, I was able to go to the foundry, get a price, uh, what it was going to cost to make these. Mm -hmm. And... <clears throat> and um, Put it all together, and it was going to be twenty-five thousand for uh, each one of these things to be put together. So we went out, and uh, the committee, like like Mary Lou Reed, right. you know, and the Library the Foundation, women get stuff done. Yeah, That's right. yeah, the women that get stuff done, you know, uh, uh, Mary Sanderson, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I can't. Very far. Oh um, yeah. Uh, Sue Thilo. Sue Thilo, yeah. Ruth yeah. Pratt. Yeah, yeah, Ruth Pratt. Of course, yeah. she was in the library foundation or at the library. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were instrumental in generating all these donors. And if you look at Mudgy at the uh, on the base, there's a book, and it has the donor uh, on the, each one of the donors that put up the money. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna check that I, yeah, out. I don't know yeah. if I've noticed that before. Yeah. I know. The mm. left side of the book is the donor, and the right side is. 
something. Something <laughs> else. <laughs> Maybe something about the story, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Something like that. And aren't they strategically placed according to the to story? To the book. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Now, the, uh, the first part of the story is on the end of, uh, on Arrow Point, at the very end, out on Tubbs Hill. But we decided that that would be uh, maybe too hard for people to get to, mm-hmm. to see it, and it, it mm-hmm. may, may get vandalized. So we put it right at the entrance to Tubbs Hill. Right, was right the first there. One. Mm-hmm. Then, then the second one went to um, the library, then the next one downtown. Mm-hmm. And then the one, the Sleeping Moose, is downtown in the, in the park by the playground. And the last one is by the airplane dock. Now, did Green I have City to... Park? City Park? City Park. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I'm go. I haven't either. Yeah, he's there asleep. You should see him now, though. The patina is gone. Oh. Every kid <laughs> in, the kid in world the world has been on his. It's <laughs> right. so smooth. Even the texture on his it's nose different. is gone. Oh, boy. I mean, it's it's really been loved. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Well, that's got to make you feel yeah. really good. Yeah, I have to go down this year. I'm going to go down and repatina that one, and and, mm-hmm. and so it'd be the blowtorch and the chemicals and the whole process. You know, it'll take several hours to do that. Right. But we'll get we that done. We should come and film you do that. That would be cool. Yeah, could yeah. be. Yeah. That would be really. Yeah. That would be awesome. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah, sure. Um, so, oh, uh, so people ask me, did I sculpt all five of the mudgies? I only sculpted one standing mudgy, and mm-hmm. at the foundry, we turned the head to the right, and then we did another one with the head to the left, and we did another one with the head forward. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to do an individual mudgy for each one. We mm-hmm. just turned the head. Right. And then the laying down one, I had to uh, sculpt that, and, uh, and, but we used the head, the same head, and I closed his eyes because he's asleep in the, right, part, right. In the story. So... Um, yeah, I, so that one with the foam, I just stacked the foam up until it was about that high, mm-hmm. those layers of foam, and then right. I then I carved it with the sawzall. The sawzall, the, the best yeah. tool ever. Yeah. And, and I've got a, a picture of me standing there with a pile of uh, foam all around me from carving it. That was a lot of fun though. Yeah. Susan would come down to the studio. Um, almost every other day to critique it and look at it <laughs> and she'd say you know terry one of those eyes is just a little lower than the other oh, one you know right. i said okay i'll let's right. fix that you know, <laughs> you're the art director okay we can do that oh, that's great yeah. wow. oh well that's awesome well it has been really fun i love hearing to about your all stories this. yeah yeah it's nice to know all that effort that you put into those beautiful pieces of work right they're gorgeous i know that you've always been really supportive of the um of the uh arts community and i know the first time i met you is when you and stephen shortridge were going to do a paint on paint uh, what was it a paint off a paint <laughs> like a paint off yeah <laughs> as a fundraiser for some organization and that's when steve still had the painter's chair downtown yeah. oh yeah um, yeah, he painted one side and I painted the other on the same canvas. On the same canvas. Yeah. Oh, okay. that's fun. Yeah, yeah that's pretty that fun. That was good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It generated a, oh, I can't remember, over 4000 bucks, I think. Did that's it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good fundraiser. Yeah. So what else do you have coming up, Terry? Yeah. Uh, well, Anything exciting? Uh, I just got back from uh, um, Great Falls, Montana. The um, the Charlie Russell Museum accepted one of my paintings oh, nice. um, for the um, 
their auction that's going to be held in August. Mm -hmm. So I delivered the painting and um, and, in, and there was an art show at the time, uh, all of my friends. And so I spent two days visiting with all of my friends nice. uh, in Great Falls. Just had a great time. Just mm -hmm. a really, awesome. really fun, exciting time. Uh, now it's time to get that minor done. Working on the minor. And I've got a commission to do. And, and I've got a, a painting on the easel right now of a moose that's going to go to a, a little gallery up in uh, Priest Lake. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. And so the pressure's on for the galleries to, for the summer tuck. <laughs> Right. Excuse mm -hmm. me, yeah, the summertime venue. Mm -hmm. So I'm really busy. Yeah. yeah. We're just really grateful that you took enough time to come down here and talk to us. Oh, it's fun. I get to talk about art. It's yes. great. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I'm so happy you came down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Well. Thanks for having so, me. Thank yeah. you so much. So we, who do we have coming up? Oh, coming up we have um, Michael Kep. Who is a writer and Musician. a drummer and yes. um, a little bit of everything? Mm -hmm. And uh, his a sportsman. <coughs> oh, a swordsman. Kristen told me, and I heard sportsman. Whoops. He might be a sportsman also, but I heard. Oh well. I anyway. think we need a white. We need a white <laughs> My hearing's not as good as it used to be. <laughs> I actually, I met him years ago and uh, went to his studio where he writes and everything mm -hmm. else. And it's like a, uh, like a Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Hobbit house. Hobbit house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I it had know. the round door. I mean, it oh, was a cool, really cool place. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. He's, he's pretty talented. So well, we're looking forward to finding out what's going on with him. But. And Andreas John. We'll his publisher. will be with him. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. But yep. Well, well. Do we have um, anything else? No, I think uh, I think we'll just wrap, wrap it up. up and so, just to remind you, I'm Allie and I'm Callie, and whatever you do, make sure it's creative. The Allie and Callie Artcast is brought to you by the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and is sponsored by Scraps Barbecue, The Ovation Company, and Coeur d'Alene Portfolio Real Estate.